Man, I've had some uh, I've had some many self-defeated years as as an Edmonton Eskimos fan. The Stephen Giles years were not particularly great. The early Mike Riley year wasn't good. The Cavus Reed time was was also not great. Um, I'm gonna hold this one down in this particular Eskimos team as one of the most frustrating I think that I've ever had the uh, pleasure to sit down and watch as we recap the Labor Day rematch weekend here on the Asks YYC podcast. My name is Graham Mosman, joined by the uh, the immeasurable Dave Waddell. Dave, how are you? I'm I'm okay. I'm I'm kind of feeling the same way that you are as far as not understanding this year's Eskimos team. And it, it it's not I, I think you said it well. It's not a case of, oh, this team is bad. It's I don't get what this team is and I don't get what's going on. And yeah, it's it's very, very frustrating. So uh Maybe I'll, I'll throw it back to you, Graham, as far as what did you see in this Labor Day rematch game? Like, what, what, what jumped out at you? Obviously, we know the result, but as far as what this team is and where they're going going forward, what, what did you notice? What did you see? My my first initial thoughts as we kind of sit down and deconstruct a uh, Stampeders win, 33-17, to 17. Uh, my, my first real thought is that there seems to be very little urgency in this team at certain points in, in the game. Um, you have a very strong history now of being next to, next to fruitless in any of your attempts, uh, when playing Calgary and you come out, you have a really great, strong drive, you score early on. You can feel the buzz of the 40,000 plus people uh, that were at Commonwealth Stadium that day. And then when it when it comes to a couple moments, it's just that that kind of that extra killer instinct, that little extra oop that needs to be there to to keep plays going and to keep drives going. Um, just 100 percent did not seem to be there in, in any sense. Uh, does not help that your uh, your your leader in the backfield, Trevor Harris, goes down. Uh, and does not return with a as of yet unreported uh, exact uh, upper body injury. That fun vague language. Okay, time, 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 time out. It's a hand injury. He it's hurt a hand. his hand. Like stop saying upper body. It's the dumbest thing that that the CFL has imported from hockey. Like, oh, he hurt his hand. He hurt his hand. His hand is fucked. We we get it. Sorry, the, go on. Uh, no, it's totally, totally fair. It just, it always cracks me up when you see, like, you open Twitter and you see, uh, you know, Dave Campbell and Ryan Rashog. Oh, oh, Trevor Harris is holding his hand, flexing, can't, can't seem to get it going. And then the Eskimos report out with a uh, uh, questionable return with, uh, with an upper body injury, which is like, okay, uh... yeah. Um, so annoying, thing, so annoying. It's the worst. Although one of the things that was kind of interesting we saw is that for the first time all season, the Edmonton Eskimos dressed a full roster uh, this game because they had only at this point had Logan Kilgore, who I think performed as well as you could ask for, um, for a second-string quarterback that hasn't played a down of live game action since 2017, I wanted to say. Um, who performed really, really well. But once Trevor Harris went down, even though the team had some really good zip, the penalties crop up again, the defense is missing tackles, and 
for a team that's been so vicious on the defensive side all year, how much time you give Bo Levi Mitchell in that zone, it's frustrating, even though uh, the Eskimos did come away with three interceptions on the night, one of them on tip. Um, yeah, so one of the things that, that you were sort of hinting at there, Graham, was the idea that the the Esks just don't have a killer instinct and they don't get angry about the idea that they're losing to the Calgary Stampeders. And, and, you know, it's three, three losses this year so far against the Stamps, which is kind of hard to wrap my head around, but this team does not have that extra gear that, that you want from, from a CFL team in a league where the, the rivalries are so strong and, and, it's so important to be good against your 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 geographically close teams because that's how you get to the Grey Cup. That's how you win the Grey Cup is you have to beat Calgary or Winnipeg or Saskatchewan. And this Eskimos team just does not have uh, uh, does not seem to have that extra gear. They don't seem to have a taste for it. They don't seem to be able to do. To do that, they don't seem to be able to win. They don't. It's it, it's. I can't even verbalize it because I have the same level of frustration that you have. It doesn't make sense why this team, which should be a good football team, continues to just fold their tent against their closest rivals. Yeah, it's happened, and the the early game against the Stampeders, that first one, uh, very very winnable. Uh, both games against Winnipeg, very, very winnable. The the fact that this team shows a a, a lack of a lack of that killer instinct, it's a cliche, um, has become painfully noticeable. And my my one real concern at this point, I'm I'm in one sense I'm I'm happy about the bye week because uh, this team can get away. I'm I'm having a slight amount of of concern um, that that Jason Moss's be a team, team, team. We are all together all the time. I'm having a slight concern that that might be starting to wear a little bit. Um, you have two guys who are admitted as two of the more hot-headed players on the, t- on the team in, uh, in Vontae Diggs and, uh, and Josh Johnson getting into it on the field. Yeah, that's a big kind of subplot of this week, isn't it? After which point, Brock Sunderland uh, immediately walked down. And I'm trying to think, Dave, can you remember a time where a general manager has gone to the player's bench? Like Occasionally, you'll see, you saw it a lot with Jim Pop um, right before Mark Tressman got fired last year with the Argos when that team was just really starting to flounder. Even a few years before that, when Pop straight up took over the team. Um, you saw him on the sidelines a little bit more often, but he was usually off to the side, like kind of where the media guys. Uh, tend to yeah. be and Brock Sunderland was right behind everyone and just firing laser beams at this team because I with the exception of a couple players um, who frankly for penalty reasons should have been set by this point he's fielded a really solid roster all things considered based on you know how how you how you pick up after Mike Riley and uh, a large percentage of your team goes to BC so mm-hmm. I'm Jason Moss did just sign an extension, but I am I am becoming much more concerned that uh, 
his feet might be a little bit more to the fire, even than we previously thought. You, you only do that as a general manager if you have specific concerns about the makeup of the team and the way that they psychologically respond to things, right? Because you want to be down there. If you're Sunderland, like what's going through your head when you do that? Um, you want to observe how the coaching staff is dealing with the players and how the players are dealing with the coaching staff. Um, you also kind of want to send a message too that you are the guy in charge and you are unhappy with what you've seen and what's going on. And if this was one game, if this was one bad game, he wouldn't be down there. This is a culmination of a series of bad games, right? Like you do not go down there as a GM, unless you are seriously concerned about something structural within the way that the, the team is, is doing what they're doing. And it really, really makes me think that Jason Moss's job is on the line. We talked about this uh, in, in the last podcast, but boy, if, if, if you come out like that in two of the most important games of the year, you know, you have to understand what being an Edmonton Eskimo is, right? Like, you can come out flat if you're playing in Montreal or playing in Toronto and you have a bad game, whatever. These two games, this week, Labor Day and the Labor Day rematch, you want the best out of your guys and you want your entire team to be focused on that goal of winning Labor Day or, if you don't, winning the rematch. And... Boy, this was disappointing to watch this this whole week. And and we were there, Graham. You and I were there um, at McMahon Stadium uh, last uh, last Monday. And the lack of urgency, the lack of emotion from the Eskimos was really really noticeable. Um, you know, it, it, it's a good team that's not working hard enough, as opposed to an overmatched team. I I thought going into that game on Labor Day that the Eskimos could have won that game. And I think you did too. I I, I feel like we were kind of on, on the same page on that. Yeah, that was the most hope I think I've had going into a Labor Day game of many, many years. And it was funny. We get into the second quarter and and uh, you and I were talking to each other. We were like, wow, this is, uh, yeah, this is right. This This is what Labor Day is supposed to be. Man, do everyone remember 2015, that game in October we won? Oh, boy, what a time to be alive that was. Oh, God. I moved moved here in 2011. I moved to Calgary from Edmonton in 2011 and in September. So figured, okay, we'll go to the football game. Yeah, great. The Eskimos won. This is fun. And living in Calgary is going to be great. Whoop-dee-doo. And then since then, like, I've gotten a decade older and... (laughs) <laughs> the, the asks have not won a single talking game here since or a labor day game i guess uh yeah it's it's just man i i it's so frustrating and i don't know what the answer is um you know the logan kilgore era is is probably going to go as well as we all expect it will um, I'm, I'll push back on that a little bit. Okay, I mean, Logan, okay. Logan Kilgore, um, 
he is a guy that had a tremendous amount of hype um, for, for a brief amount of time. Because when he came in the league, he played with Toronto. Uh, he started a handful of games. Two of them were spectacular. Put up 400 yards in each one. Uh, six touchdowns over his next several games, uh, however, in relief of uh, both Ricky Ray and uh, a one uh, very young Zach Kalaros, I do believe, at the time. Uh, proceeded to put up about 10 interceptions over two and a half games. Um, he, so yeah, he's still got some, some work to do, but I, but I will say I did see some certain things from him. I was really impressed by, um, he, his decision-making with the ball by and large is really, really solid. What is not there, however, is the accuracy. And I think a large part of that comes from, from live game. Um, mm-hmm. he, you could tell that Calgary was putting on a whole lot of pressure from that defensive line. And he was picking his spots to kind of roll out and extend the play with his legs, which is something that, that you don't see very often from, from Trevor Harris. Um, I don't think it'll be necessarily as bad as it potentially could be. Uh, that being said, going into, uh, going into the CFL trade deadline, if it comes to a point where, um, you know, you can, you can pry a player, if the cap allows it, like a James Franklin, like a McLeod Bethel Thompson, uh, out of out of Toronto, or even a guy like you know Antonio Pipkin from from Montreal, um, yeah. that might be the worst part going over. I mean, it's easy to like Trevor Harris has had the best statistical year of any quarterback in the CFL. He only has a two year contract. Um, right. He is a free agent as of next season, which is a proper thing to do when you sign a thirty two year old. So. May you know maybe this is the time. I know you you hear uh, Jim Pop in Toronto saying, "Well, no, we're not selling anything. We're not doing any of that." That's a lie. Um, I mean, James Wilder Jr. Despite his uh, tr- very impressive performance against the um, hysterically poor uh, Toronto or uh, Ottawa Red Blacks, um, yeah, tank. These are all players for Toronto that are very much available and should be. You know what? I, I would. I would say that the most important game for the Eskimos this week was not the Eskimos losing to the Stamps. Uh, it was the Red Blacks getting completely dominated by the Toronto Argonauts because you're watching that game and you're thinking, okay, well, we've got a crossover. No matter what happens, the crossover is yeah. in play because I don't see the Red Blacks getting to the point where they can um, comfortably sit in third uh, in the East and, and not have to worry about the crossover. So, I mean, yeah. I, I almost, I almost feel like, as you say, the Esks almost have kind of a guaranteed playoff spot and maybe for an easier route. They, yeah. For all intents and purposes, they do. Yeah. So, so, so now if you're Sunderland and if you're looking at this team and you're looking at all of the, uh, you know, the personnel issues, you know, the, the, the fights on the sideline, the, the injury to your starting quarterback. I mean, what do you do if you want to be competitive in October? Like, and I don't have an answer for this. I'm, I'm pitching this to you, Graham. Like, I have no idea what the Eskimos really should do. Should they kind of peel back and think about building for the future? Should they find a way to try and make a run this year um, based on what they have and, and what their injury situation is like, it, it's, it's really tough to, to figure out what the smartest plan of action is for the asks of the, my, 
the big thing that still bugs me and has been an issue Jason Mahon's entire career has been the penalties. And the most frustrating thing about it all is it is the same three players every goddamn fucking time um, when, when this team um, has a chance. You know, they you know, tossing up 30 yards in penalties as opposed to shutting a Stampeders drive down, a drive that led to a touchdown in the second quarter. 30 yards in penalties to, to Nick Usher and Money Hunter. And yeah. those the same names you hear, Money Hunter, once again, 15-yard penalties. He's, he is encroaching very quickly into Chris Edwards' territory. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> 15-yard penalty every game. And Nick Usher is in that as well. And you wonder, like, who do you sit? What do you, what do, you do with that? Um, we do have some reinforcements coming in um, as our third overall pick in this draft year. Uh, Matthew Betts, who's had a beyond stellar year uh, with with the with the uh, Laval Rouge or not in the last three years, the JP Metris Trophy. I think every year he's been in, he averages over a stack a game uh, in in the in the U uh, Sports League. And yes, it's U Sports, but those are. You see a lot of really solid offensive linemen come out of that league and become instant Absolutely. starters. Absolutely, yeah. And when you have a a player who was signed to a bonus contract and was kind of a victim of numbers and circumstance with Chicago Bears, he should have been a first overall pick. Fell to third because he was going to the NFL, and the Eskimos put an enticing enough package to to lure him down here for two years. I think at this point, you you sit down, uh, you sit down, Nick Usher, a national. You put in an international player, you, you put in uh, Matthew Betts, even just to send a message um, that this, that jobs will be lost in this team. And you give them, give them some time, let this, this kind of heat go off. Maybe that can help in the penalties. Um, I think a lot depends on the health of Trevor Harris. If his hand can't go, um, then you start to look to, to next year because the way Montreal is playing, if they continue this hot streak, oof, that is not a team I want to play at all. Uh, come playoffs, because uh, Vernon Adams Jr. has had an incredible, uh, an incredible kind of resurgence to his career um, since being passed around from BC to Montreal to Saskatchewan to back to Montreal. Um, that is yeah. not a team I'm looking forward to playing uh, in this in in the crossover. So so let's let's talk about that for a bit because in previous editions of this podcast we've talked about how you know, wide open the CFL feels. And, you know, we, we've talked to guests who have said this is a momentum-based league, which I love. I love that that sort of conception of the CFL. And right now, after this weekend, it feels like there are three teams that I can see potentially winning the Grey Cup, maybe four. And it's Calgary, Winnipeg, Montreal, maybe Hamilton. Is that is that? I or I will put I will put Saskatchewan in that list as well. Um, really? Okay. I will. Saskatchewan may have shown terribly against Winnipeg. Um, Winnipeg has a mean defense, and it is not too often in in any of the major sports leagues that you see a defensive player who can absolutely dominate and flip the script of a game. No, and, yeah. Yeah, and that is what can happen uh, in in the Winnipeg backfield with Willie Jefferson. He uh, a key point of Edmonton's 2015 Grey Cup win in his I believe that was his second year in the league. A he has that JJ Watt 
um, type of ability to just go, nope, this is done now. This is my game. This is my world. You're just living in it. And to see him, him have that ability is really, really impressive. Um, I, I am, if some of the rumors that are true that are coming out of Winnipeg, that Matt Nichols might be done for the year. I have no faith in Chris Streveler. Um, that man's a very good to decent running back. He cannot throw footballs tremendously well. And he's not shown me enough despite this one game for me to trust it. So if you're looking at Grey Cup favorites right now, I think you have Montreal. I mean, Hamilton still. Hamilton's still a very good football team. And, and then Saskatchewan or Calgary. So, and if, who knows, this is a, this is a momentum driven league. This team comes back. A lot of players, interestingly enough, are not going back home. I was listening to points after showing Chad, a good number of players are like, Nope, I'm taking two days in the mountains and I'm getting back to common. Well, to keep, uh, to keep training. So interesting. I'm the coaches aren't leaving. They're not going anywhere. Um, the game against Hamilton for me is is the is the, is the big one. If this is a team that comes out at home after their bye week, fiery, angry, ready to smack the mouth of 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 someone after they've had this awful run, there's some hope here. And it is the CFL. You can make anything happen. You know, Bo Levi Mitchell when he gets frustrated, he throws so many picks, and that did happen this week. Um, the Eskimos just had no way of capitalizing on it. Um, between between some of their penalties and uh, and tremendously poor play calling at times. So let's 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 broaden this out a little bit because the question that you know Jack and I were talking about on the last podcast and and I think one of the big questions that people in Edmonton and Esks fans are talking about right now is what do you do with Jason Moss? What is the future of the head coach of the Edmonton Eskimos? And, and what does he need to do to keep his job going forward? And what would you need to see from him to say, you know what, you're done. Um, like, how do you feel about Jason Moss right now? I've, I have, I have been, I have been a staunch Jason Moss supporter for most of his tenure. Um, the first year, yep. A lot of rookie mistakes. That happens. You deal with it and move on. They trim back the second year. His hot head cooled down. That's been positive. Um, he still has those moments, and it comes down from the top where you just flip out. He has gotten so much better this year. And if it wasn't for those first couple of years, I don't think we'd see the stuff we do see because TSN wouldn't have the permanent camera on him as a coach. Um, right. I do think some of the things he's done in regards to team building has been really strong wrong up until the last three weeks or so um the he does have a way with quarterbacks in in bringing the best out of them i have no doubt about that i don't think it's a coincidence that trevor harris is having the best season of his career by a country mile um largely um with with, with this team so those are all really positive things for jason moss in my books um the negatives are the penalties the penalties the penalties the penalties the questionable play calling at times and what I feel is an inability at times to go to, to accept some outside help and accept some criticism. Um, what you need to see from him, I think, to keep his job, either an Eastern final or 
a win in the West. I think you got to, you have to win the semifinal. Um, yeah. Anything, you know, anything less than that, I, I would be questionable. Um, I mean, it's, it's, I, I would not be surprised if Brock Sunderland has his, has his list of people he would be out to contact. Um, you know, if Jason Moss does, is, is not, um, not the guy here, I think moving forward, you could look to a, a fellow like Noel Thorpe um, yeah. to finally get that coaching shot. A guy who has Brock Sunderland very much in his corner. Um, potentially a guy, you know, he had a rough, rough run here. Before, but you know, a guy like Rich Stubler, uh, yeah, to potentially get another shot. Um, because I'll be shocked if he wants to fight it out in BC much longer. Um, yeah, well, I, I, I also think about the XFL and I think about Dressman, and I think that thing has like three games before it implodes, so he's going to be a free agent soon, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Like, I would I, love, love, love. I feel like with Mark Tressman's return, he was very much asked to handle either Ricky Ray or rookie quarterbacks. And a guy like Mark Tressman, you know, with with Trevor Harris, with Greg Ellingson, that is a offense I would like to see. Mark Tressman is still a very good coach, and I think he. I, I do not believe he was the one nearly at fault with the with whatever the hell's happening in Toronto. No, God, no, 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 no. And I mean that 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 guy has enough pedigree and enough skill to come back to the CFL, and I, I do think win wherever he ends up. And again, the XFL is going to last three weeks. I, I I would be stunned if it lasts longer than the uh, the Alliance of American Football or whatever it was. But uh, oh my God, that's Tom Dundon's music. <laughs> you know. It, God bless Vince McMahon. I, 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 <laughs> like, like he, he just tries so hard. He's, he's trying to do it a little less uh, insane as compared to the last time. But uh, yeah, it's it's not going to work, man. Like the 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 idea of spring football has been tried from like every used car salesman huckster in America from. Donald Trump with the USFL to the the AAF to the XFL twice. Um, it, it's it's amazing that guys still think that they can figure out the secret sauce that no one else has figured out. Yeah, well, we'll we'll see. I mean, if if that league implodes, you finally have a, you have a good number of prospects coming back back north here for jobs because the XFL definitely has put a bit of a hamper on some. Uh, some possible, some possible signings. Uh, what about you, Dave? What's your, what are you, how are you feeling going into the last half of the, or the, in the bye week? What do you want to see coming back? Um, if this league year goes as badly as last year, um, where does the team go? Yeah, it's a great question because, you know, I, I think the idea of the Trevor Harris era, um, I, I like the idea of him being the guy going forward because, as you mentioned, it's only a two-year contract, but if you get some success out of it, then you commit to him long-term, right? The problem is that if you have an injury that is is enough to take him out of the game and, and, and take him out of the lineup for an extended period of time, then 
how do you how do you gauge this season? Like that that's the question for me. Is like if if you lose Trevor Harris at the end of his debut season with the Eskimos, how do you gauge the first year of Trevor Harris? And what do you do as an organization going forward? Do you try and 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 find you know a, a, a quarterback prospect that you can sort of sneak into the lineup? Do you do you sit on it and, and think, you know what, Harris is going to be healthy at what, 32, 33 years old. And do you try and go with him going forward? Um, I, I, I don't like seeing the fights on the, the sideline that I saw, you know, on the weekend uh, with uh, Diggs and Johnson there, like is, is, is Moss the right guy? Like that's, that's I what I'm coming. And the CFL coaches cap, which will have to be amended in the off season. It was a rule that had a, a good, much like the much like the NHL coaches um, unintended consequences. Right. That's that's yeah. that's the greatest example of unintended consequences because they created a rule where you can't fire coaches. Yeah, and so, and that's that's insane. But it's probably something that no one thought of at the time. That was an absolutely. issue, right? So we'll we'll see. I mean, if if hey, if if I am becoming more and more willing to be talked to the idea that Jason Moss isn't the one that had the ship, um, it does it does depend on who is out there. Um, a guy like Noel Thorpe deserves a shot. If you can get a guy like Mark Tressman in once the XFL dies, great. You know, if your options are like what Toronto did with you know Corey Chamberlain or. You know, recycling. God, Cavus Reed. Ugh. No, 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 no. Stop, 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 stop. Slow down, slow down, Graham. <laughs> <laughs> we we don't need to bring Cavus Reed back. Um, uh, I, I I will say that the um, the Argos that I watched this weekend were a far better Argos than than people realize. Like, you know, I, I, if if the Argos had Ricky Ray as their, or not Ricky Ray, if the Argos had Mike Riley or Trevor Harris as their quarterback, they'd have won nine games. And I didn't even hate what I saw from uh, uh, MBT. <laughs> three, three last names is starting to pull himself together. I'll say that. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. puts up crazy numbers. He just can't not throw an interception to save his life. I, uh, I think yeah. James Franklin will be very much on the way out there. I mean, they traded for Zach Kalaros. You know, he'll figure into the plan. Unfortunately, that's a that's a fellow I really hope he retires or he should. Yeah, my yeah. goodness. Um, you know, I, I honestly at this point with what McLeod Belton Thompson has shown you, you know, I, James Franklin's sitting there making one hundred and ten thousand dollars right now. I think that was the reported number. Um, well, I mean, look at he's the league minimum is eighty, so. He's not uh, he's not making bank, but he's certainly not league minimum. Uh, yeah. If so, uh, so is he a guy that the Esks could potentially, if they don't love the idea of Logan Kilgore going and leading them into battle for the rest of the year? I would be very much. A fan, I, I would be very much a fan of that. You look at where James Franklin has showed the most promise in his career. It has always been in an Eskimos uniform. I know he is as this fan base is, he is still beloved by many members of this fan base, yeah. which I don't think is something you see a lot from a guy who only played four or five games. Um, 
you know, you want to talk about someone who has unrelenting positivity to, to balance off, you know, guys that get a little more hot headed like Diggs and whomever, you know, that could be, that could be something really positive for this team. And I mean, it's tough to swing. I mean, that's, it's probably not a, a low draft pick you're sending away. Yeah. Not- but, but, but don't you think the Argos owe us? Like, don't Just, you think the Argos or OS, as far as quarterback trades, like God. historically, like we 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 need something back, just a little bit. Like you're not going to level that playing field, but you know, <laughs> one day. God, I wish that's how sports worked. Uh, Grant Shaw, Grant fucking hey, Shaw, you know man. Come on, Grant Shaw, give that man some credit. He was a key part to that uh, to that Grey Cup winning year i have uh i have no ill will in my heart to grant shaw sure okay but come on like that was the main return in that deal yeah it was a second round pick or no a first round pick that if memory serves turned into austin passed her um that's a good memory yeah, it was a first, it was a first round pick that turned into austin passed her it was a second round pick as well a Stephen Giles and Grant Shaw. God. Stephen Giles, the only Argo quarterback that was somehow worse than Michael Bishop. Whew. Well, on that happy note, as we remember uh, Esk's quarterbacks of the past, uh, <laughs> we should probably uh, wrap things up for the week. But, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, last week – I. I you didn't make it onto our pod, but Jack and I were 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 quite um, down. I would say we were quite negative about the uh, current state of the asks, and I think we're in. I think we're in kind of next year country at this point. I don't know how you feel about that, but uh, it is the CFL. I mean, this bye week goes well. You come back. You know, Trevor Harris hopefully isn't hurt, and you know, and the coaching staff has a bit of a change of heart in, in smacking some execution and smacking some, some effort into this team, especially around, you know, in the 20 yard lines. Um, I think there's plenty of hope as well. I mean, all right. It's, I like that. I like that. I, Winnipeg, Winnipeg, despite a really strong showing, I think those Cody Fajardo, I'm very close to saying is a, is a bona fide starting quarterback. Um, the I mean, Bo Levi Mitchell is Bo Levi Mitchell, but the stamps are still not. I don't think they're as bulletproof as, as many people think. So if you're looking at your path through the East, I mean, Dane Evans is Dane Evans is Dane Evans in Montreal. Honestly, Montreal scares me more than Hamilton does right now. I, I agree 100%. I think that, uh, yeah, they are the, I think, I think smart money puts them as the favorite to come out of the East right now. I believe so, yeah. But say again, it's the CFL. Who knows? Um, final, just a quick sort of wrap through the rest of the week. I did want to say once again, um, huge props to the Eskimos marketing department. Um, getting in forty thousand people—that's the highest. Yeah, year. you know what? I was, I was, uh, we we were kind of chatting back and forth during the game, and I was like, "Ooh, this looks like a, a, a small number," but it was might might have been late people getting in, and and me thinking uh, that. Uh, it wasn't as big as it looked, but yeah, forty plus is fantastic for the rematch. I love that, and 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 I want that thing to be a tradition 
again like it was when i was a kid you know first week of school you get the vouchers on your desk right oh, um like, like that 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 means so much to the city you know i i i think that uh that if the esks marketing department realizes that that getting the kids in there getting the butts in the seats um you know there is such a difference when you go to your first Eskimos game as a little kid and there are 60,000 people there as opposed yeah. to like, you know, 20 or 30, right? Like I remember going to um, the, um, in 1994, the, uh, the friendly between Canada and Brazil, right? The soccer game there, Commonwealth Stadium, one, one tie. And it was like the biggest moment for Canadian soccer in, in that entire decade. Don't talk about that game. Yeah. And, and because it was full because it was loud and it was full and, and it was, you know, 65,000 people in Commonwealth stadium that, that were all in for one goal. Right. Yeah. And if you get that feeling again for kids, you know, like I was nine years old back then, if you get kids, nine-year-old kids in there for a football game where it's 50 or 60,000 people. I mean, God, like that, that will be, that will be the future of the Eskimos fan base. If, if you can sort of perpetuate that, you know, so yeah. good start for the Esks and hopefully, you know, we, we see a little more of that as the, uh, as the weeks and the months go by as the season wraps up. To, uh, to wrap up this uh, particular edition of the SYYC podcast, I would like to toss a, uh, oh boy, the biggest, I don't even, it's not even an honorable mention. It is a, it is a stick tap. It is a, it is a Leonardo DiCaprio clapping gift to whomever the social media person is for the Edmonton Eskimos. Yes. Uh, after the game was over, uh, they tweeted out, uh, Wow, we're sorry, Edmonton. Like you, des- a crowd that amazing deserved uh, a win, and we're sorry. Which is impressive that that the team would give their social media person that kind of license. Um, but to follow up with the person saying, "Hey, can you please run the Oilers Twitter account?" Followed by the Eskimos replying, "The Eskimos team account. I suffer enough." So great. Love that. Love that so much. And I I truly hope that the the Oilers do take some notice because man, it has been a not a notch improvement in the quality of uh of of the Eskimos on uh on on the social media side. It's been impressive. Sports are fun, sports should be fun. Don't treat it like a business. It's it's fun. And you can engage with the city so easily like it it is the dream job for any social media person as long as you get a little bit of rope from your bosses and and i i hope that the oilers realize that one day so um graham manny thanks so much for uh for doing this uh this evening and uh yeah this cfl season has been just a bit of a roller coaster as far as how we felt about things as the weeks have gone on, but uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, we've got the buy. We got the buy. We can relax, but uh, we'll we'll see what happens uh, next time out for the asks. So, 
it's a little ugly right now, but hopefully we can we can make something out of this season. And as we said, the crossover still in play, and uh, I feel like that's kind of our fate at this point. Yeah, unless unless the riders totally implode, I don't quite see it. But again, you know, you look you look at the standings, and wow, it is just uh, it is it is something because we are at this moment. Um, I mean, we're six points back of Winnipeg, so that's not happening. Um, but we are, as the league goes, two points back of Saskatchewan and Calgary. So it is by nature of that. Uh, of the fact that we've lost one extra, we've already and we have not had a buy yet. That uh, Saskatchewan takes that that no that extra win from us, um, right? But we'll. I am not. It is not as awful as it would seem. Uh, not 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 great, Bob. But not but not great. So we'll we'll see how it goes. Um, fingers crossed that the team can come back a little fiery and we can uh, get this thing back on track against the Hamilton Tiger Cats with a uh, Friday night game up at uh, Commonwealth Stadium in Edmonton. Dave, this was fun. I don't know the last time we've ever done a podcast with just us. Yeah, you, you you and I, the two of us. Yeah, it's been a it's been a while. Maybe it's been uh maybe it's been never since we've done a it's uh, very possible a solo possible. podcast. So, uh yeah. Always appreciate it, Graham, and uh, yeah, thanks to everybody who uh, who listens to this pod. Um you know, it, it's it's a, a labor of love from a bunch of uh, uh, stranded, transplanted Edmonton sports fans here in Calgary, and uh, we hope you enjoy it. We hope you we we bring some some insight and some some love as far as uh, Edmontonians stuck here. So, um, Graham, um, this is this is the best part of the year, man. This is the best time of the calendar year if you're a sports fan not just locally but you know internationally and and uh i know the oilers yyc podcast is going to fire up again uh next week with uh with some new episodes uh we've got a game we we, we had an oilers flames game in red deer last night and uh we've got a game here on tuesday as well um i know that uh, i just raced back home after watching the u.s open final which was amazing but not as amazing as Bianca Andreescu winning the whole fucking thing. Like, holy shit. Um, one of the most amazing moments for Canadian sports uh, in in decades, maybe since Donovan Bailey winning the 100 meters in 96. Like, what a weekend for Canadian sports this has been. So um, I feel like I've been, uh, I've been watching a lot of TV this weekend and... and uh, it's it's been worthwhile because it's been super fun so appreciate it graham as always appreciate it manny and uh yeah talk to you guys next week yeah.